This is the IDP After Show. On the IDP After Show, we have talked about many players that we believe can contribute to league-winning teams. But on today's episode, we're going to break down some players that we actually think will win you your leagues. And trust us, we are bought in on these guys. If you check our player exposure, we've got them everywhere. I'm Evan Ronda, and I'm joined by Jeff, Arn, Jace, and Jake all of the guys here at the IDP After Show. And oh my goodness, we have a star-studded cast here to break down some of our flag plants for the 2023 NFL football season. We are going to jump directly into this episode talking about some edge rushers, then we'll get into some linebackers, then we'll get into some defensive backs, mix it up a little bit and talk about a couple players that we think you should be targeting everywhere you can. Let's go ahead and start it off with Jeff here and talk about our first guy. Yeah, my first guy is Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, defensive end for the New York Giants. He kind of got off to a slow start last season, but really exploded as the season went on. And especially the last four or five games of the season, just just a monster. Um, in the last three games of the season, he had 21 of his 43 tackles. He had two of his four sacks. Um, he had... More than half of his points came in the last three games of the season, which I think is going to spill over into the the next season here. I feel that there's some positive game script coming for the Giants. I think they're going to be ahead in the games later on, so that'll give him more opportunities to get more sacks. And I think that whole defense as a unit now is much stronger than last year, and they're not relying just on him alone. You're kind of getting Thibodeau right now in the, the latter half of the first round of drafts in best ball. He's kind of going around in that 12th overall range right now so you gotta gotta spend a premium pick to get him but i definitely think he's going to be worth it i just see a lot of positive script coming for him and the giants as a whole so and i know i'm not the only one who feels strongly about him so yeah i'm uh i'm 100 the same i he was the first player that came to mind when when evan went like who is it that you think is going to win your league this year? And who is it you're, you're all in on? And, and Kayvon is, is definitely one of those guys. Um, I loved him more than, than Hutchinson coming out last year. He was my edge one in the rookie class coming out. Um, like you mentioned, he started slow. But from week five, he, uh, week five was the first season he hit 80% of the snaps. And from then on, he averaged 12.2 points per game. He showed an elite ceiling. Uh, he hit one of those 40 burgers that we love to talk about when we when we talk about those boom players who can hit those 40-point ceilings. He did it in his rookie year. Uh, and he did it with a good supporting cast, but not a full supporting cast. He only had uh, Aziz Ojolari on the other side for six games last uh, last year. And Ojolari was only playing 30% of the snaps in, in a few of those because he was injured. Um, in those games where Ojolari managed to play over 30% of the snaps, Thibodeau averaged 14.3 points per game. So that D-line that they've got there with Thibodeau, with Dexter Lawrence, with Leonard Williams, with Ojolari, it's it's probably top five in the league. And I just see this as a massive breakout season for him. He's an athletic freak. You know, he's got that, he's got that high RAS score that we love to look for in the edge rushes. And um, he's one guy that in Dynasty, I'm trying to get everywhere I can. And, and in best ball, like you say, Jeff, he's that, that premium pick, but I love taking him at the end of the end of round one and, and into round two there at that turn and, and pairing him with, with either a high, high quality linebacker or another edge. Yeah. I, I really love this defensive line. You talked about them being one of the best in the league. And, and because of that, we think about their four main contributors, right? Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Aziz Ojolari. Do you guys want to guess how many games last season those four players actually played a full allotment of snaps together? I'll say four. Including the playoffs? I'll say, I'll say four. The answer is two. There were only two games in the entirety of last season, including the playoffs, where all four of those players were actually healthy at the same time. And gentlemen, I know how much you love Kayvon Thibodeau. I love him too. But my flag plant is actually the guy opposite him, Aziz Ojolari. Now, on the season, he only played 155 pass rush snaps and earned about 20, uh, 20 pressures for a pressure rate of you know 12.9%, which is pretty good. But in the three games 
I guess there were three, three to four, two to three. Depends on how generous you want to be with like Leonard Williams exiting a game early or Aziz Ojolari exiting game early. But for about the three-ish games that there was overlap, he had 74 pass rush snaps and 13 pressures for a rate of 17.3%. So that's 12.9% to 17.3%. Now, I get it's a really small sample size, but he also earned three sacks and four quarterback kicks uh, during those two to three weeks. And among all edge rushers that rushed the passer at least 150 times in 2022, Aziz Ojolari was 18th in pass rush productivity, according to PFF. And that's out of 119 eligible players. So yes, Kayvon Thibodeau, really, really exciting, high first round pick in real life and in best ball. But Aziz Ojolari is going significantly later in drafts. And I think he is extremely talented and will be extremely productive in this upcoming season as well. The only thing I worry about with uh, Ojolari is he's just his ability to convert pressures into sacks. He's, he's always done that at a really high high rate, and I I just I'm just slightly concerned that he can, he might not be able to continue doing that going forward at that same rate. That it might not be sustainable. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so jumping into my guy, I've gone with uh, Jalen Phillips as as my guy. Uh, we obviously got a glimpse. More than a glimpse of what he can do last last year. I I loved what I saw. Seventy pressures, uh, seventy combined pressures, including ten with five or more, nine sacks, uh, fifty three combined tackles. Pretty impressive stuff, I think, especially for a second year player. Um, his fourteen point six percent pressure rate finished sixth amongst all edge rushers. Imagine what he's going to do this year when he doesn't have to spend. 98 snaps in coverage. That was the third highest number among all players at the position. The good news for us Phillips Truthers is that his new DC, Vic Fangio, doesn't ask his edge rushers to drop back into coverage at almost near the same rate as uh, Josh Boyer. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Phillips can do when he's just tasked with pinning his ears back and getting after the QB. Um, Obviously, Chubb's still there, or he's there now. Uh, Ogba's still there kicking around. Uh, he may eat into Phillips' uh, playing time a little bit, but if he can, if Phillips can get close to that average snap share we saw in the last month of, of last season, where he was averaging sort of 85, just over 85% of the snaps in each game, then he's going to be, he's going to be huge. Uh, Fangio's talked him up. Uh, Mike McDaniel's talked him up. The stars just seem aligned for a big year, and I'm, you know, I'm all in. Um, as I said on the, uh, the, the breakout show with, uh, with John Macri, um, I think Phillips's value as the edge 10 in the IDP show best ball drafts is about right. Um, but if I'm being really picky and uh, interesting to hear you guys talk about Thibodeau earlier on, he is going one spot uh, after Thibodeau. Um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a hater of, of Thibodeau at all. If, you know, he's got bags of potential, like you say, he finished really, really strong, but um, I'll be pretty surprised if he outperforms the guy who's already done it for a full season. So a question maybe for one of the uh, the, the, the Thibodeau truthers, uh, Jeff, Aaron, what do you see in him that you don't see in Phillips maybe? Can you, can you think of any reason why he's going one pick ahead of, of, uh, of Phillips? Nothing. I love Phillips as well. I, I, think, I, I think he's going to just erupt the season. Um, I, I think this could be a year with Fangio, with Chubb, the injuries that they've had on the back end. So losing Jalen, uh, Jalen Ramsey, I'm not sure what's going on with Xavier Howard. I saw that there was some police drama going on with him as well. I haven't looked too much into that, but you know, the defense back end, it, it, I would have more faith in it, but I still think that we could easily come away from this season. And we're talking about how the fact that Jalen Phillips led the league in sacks. Uh, you might even be behind on him than me, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm super excited. You know, he's my, he's my first guy. He's the first one came to mind for me. You said similarly about, uh, about Thibodeau earlier on. He's, Phillips was the first guy came to mind for me. Uh, yeah, expecting big things. Everything seems to be working in his favor. And he's had glowing reviews in camp. Like when they talk about the best defensive player in camp, his name is always mentioned from camp in Miami. Like every beat writer, I don't know who's sweating him more, you or the beat writers in Miami, but... <laughs> He's definitely getting a lot of positive pub right now. So, and like you said, Fangio has just always loved that elite edge rusher, rusher, and I think he's he's that guy for him. So, yeah. it definitely helps that he's built like Michelangelo's David as well. Like, <laughs> 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 it's just the dude is insane. 
It's like looking in yep. a mirror, but I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Pomazil is a very lucky lady, Jeff. Yeah, she's. I've mentioned that more than once this week, so yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are fawning over your 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 sexy edge rushes there. I'm I'm gonna go with one of my beefy boys, right? So, um, hashtag spoiler alert. I love Jalen Phillips and Thibodeau as well, but but I I extra love Jeffrey Simmons this year. Um, and I love him every year. But what's really stood out for me. Um, when we look at someone to give you strong IDP um, uh, delivery, he has that floor just in spades, right? The guy's played 800-plus snaps in the last three years. He showed us that he can play near 950 snaps from the defensive interior just as recently as 2021. Um, every season, he has a 40-plus tackle floor here running for him. And, and the thing that's been great for him is that his pass rush pressure rate, so every time he's generating that 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 pressure um he's grown that grown that year over year it's not to elite numbers yet but what he's paired that with is above average sack conversion rate and normally that's something we don't like to hang our hats on but someone who can do it year after year it's not an outlier anymore that's just who they are and i think that's what we've gotten jeffrey simmons so um and you know we've seen him already deliver a double digit sack season just two years ago as well with 11 um eight this last year so um, I think the, it's wheels up for Jeffrey Simmons. You know, he's maybe not the sexiest pick. He is definitely a smash in defensive tackle required leagues. But I think he's got strong, strong value even in just straight DL leagues as well. So um, going into his fifth year, I, I don't even know that he's still in his prime yet. So I, I love me some Jeffrey Simmons, and I am scooping him up everywhere. Is he the, the Dynasty DT2 behind Quinnen now with obviously Aaron Donald, you know, Every every offseason, it's Willie, won't he retire? Chris Jones is threatened to hold out till week eight now. Uh, I saw on Instagram. Is he is he Dynasty DT2? For me, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's hands down. And you could, I I wouldn't put it against someone to argue that he's number one. I, I could see you saying uh, him ahead of Quinnen at times. Just just the consistency that with what he's shown us he can do in, in the floor. And, I, and I, like I said, I... His tackle grades has actually been low, and he still managed to produce nearly 50 tackles a season. Um, you know, he's scoring like in the 30s in his PFF tackle grades. You add you if he cleans that up and starts adding that on, all of a sudden he's at a 50, 55 tackle floor. Chef's kiss to the moon. I think too, Jake. Another thing with that, he's been doing it alone. Like he's been the only one on that defensive line, and now they added Arden Key, and they have hopefully a Harold, jo- you know, uh, Harold Jones. Landry. Landry, sorry, yeah. Yep. If they have him back, like, you know, you've said it a million times, like a rising tide raises all ships. Like, he ha- doesn't have to do it alone anymore. Hopefully he gets some pressure off the edge and maybe uh, offensive li- or defense offensive lines will kind of need not to focus on him as much and maybe free him up to get a little more exposure. So I like the call. I'll start off since I started off the before. Um, my flag plant linebacker, uh, N'Kobe Dean uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think... Uh, his, the sky's the limit for this guy. He's got uh, a huge amount of vacated snaps from last season with TJ Edwards and Kaiser White gone. There's over 2,000 snaps available. There's this revolving door next door to him. Like, who's going to be the linebacker to two in Philly? You know, Morrow has been there. Cunningham is coming on strong. It sounds like he might be the, the linebacker two there now. Christian Ellis has kind of seen time. Um, they even brought in Miles Jack for a hot minute before he decided to retire. They have all like all these question marks at the number two, but the only thing that hasn't been a question mark is when Nicobe Dean has been healthy at camp, he's been out there. And we see have seen that in the preseason. He he's only played like seventeen or eighteen snaps in the preseason and he's got three tackles and a forced fumble. Like I know it's like a small sample size, but I think that's just the kind of ability that he has. And that defensive line is gonna keep him immensely clean there's going to be so much focus on that defensive line with the 58 georgia bulldogs that they've drafted and put in front of them like i just the sky's the limit for this guy um i know we haven't seen a lot as a pro from him but if you go back to his senior season at georgia when he was the defensive captain of that team he played 467 snaps he had 57 tackles 12 sack or seven sacks excuse me and two picks like and that's like in a 12 college 12 game college season like those are Awesome stats. So. And and the other thing is is when you look at that the Philadelphia Bulldogs, and I say that intentionally, uh defense, um synergy is like 
they've lost so much over the like when you look at what they lost from last season and then they've replenished it with if, it, this is essentially going to be Dean's rookie season this year and what's the best way for him to be able to hit the ground running is with his championship teammates you know with Jordan Davis in front of him Jalen Carter uh Nolan Smith coming off the edge guys that he's played with knows how they play Kyle and he's still yeah yeah Keely Ringo on the back end it's it's he's still going to be able to to it's going to give him confidence when knowing that these guys will do their job and how they do their job. So he's going to be able to focus on his and what will essentially be a rookie season. Um, my linebacker is nowhere near as, uh, as flashy as that. I've, uh, I've, I've called this one mum's meatloaf. Um, and that's just because it is, uh, it's, it's just straight up consistency. It's, it's, that's all it is. It's just, it's just, when you when you need it, it's there. It's not gonna blow you out of the water. But you know, you come home, you've had a hard day, hard day at school, hard day at college, whatever. What's for dinner? Mom's meatloaf. You know what? Cool. Um, and it's Logan Wilson from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and the reason the reason I, I I've gone there is because uh, he's currently going as the LB ten in best ball. Um, he's the LB ten in dynasty, and he is. Along with Fred Warner, I would say he's sort of just the consummate professional there at middle linebacker that you can just expect, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 points a game every single week, week in, week out. You might get 20 here and there. You're not going to get 30, but you know he's not going to kill you. And if you're, if you're going for sort of a high upside, uh, a high upside draft, he is just the consistency that you can slot in. And I got him as an LB2 in a couple of these best ball drafts. Um, and I'm happy with him there. But even as an LB1, if I'm going to shoot for the moon with other positions. So last year, he got 124 total tackles, three tackles for a loss, an INT, two and a half sacks, had a fumble recovery, forced fumble, and, uh, and seven QB hits. He played 97% of the snaps uh, across 15 games. His PFF grades, uh, 72.7 uh, full defensive grade, and 90 tackle grade. He had 11 of those 15 games with double-digit uh, double points, and he was clutched down the stretch. He scored 23.7 points per game from weeks 14 to 16 coming into your playoffs. He's not flashy. He's not going to blow you out of the water, but he will be so stable this year, continuing his run from 2021 when he first took the job, when he logged 13.2 points per game again uh, in 13 games played when he claimed the full-time role. So he's just always going to be there. He's going to be safe, and he's going to allow you flexibility to do other things with your, uh, with your defensive lineup. Mom's meatloaf. That's a that's a pretty catchy nickname. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, before I talk about my next guy, Jace, I know you you have a couple thoughts here on Logan Wilson. Let's hear it, man. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's really question for the room. I mean, um, Wilson. Yeah, agree with everything you said uh, on him, Aaron. You know, he's uh, you know one of those guys. Every down player, he's gonna you know he's gonna be he's just solid, isn't he? Exactly like you said. How surprised were you guys about how his teammate and sort of running partner, Jermaine Pratt, played last year? Um, got that bigger role towards the end of the year. I was just, I was kind of blown away. He just looked like a different guy at times. It was strange because it kind of felt like they'd been looking for that the whole time because they drafted Akeem Davis-Gaither. They, they took Pratt the year before that. It, it felt yeah. like, like Wilson himself was not exactly a high, a high pick. I think he was a third round pick. Um, and it kind of felt like they were experimenting with things in 2021 in 2022 that Wilson got the role. He, he took hold of it, but they were still happy rotating Davis Gaither and, uh, and Pratt to begin with. And then it felt down the stretch. They were like, right, this is going to be our, our defense. We're going to run the two linebackers. We're going to trot Pratt out there. Um, I'm not worried about Wilson's role in the slightest, but I think it means that for Pratt, he's sort of a, a high upside guy that you can shoot for who might be, might surprise you as a sort of a late round dart throw. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I know it's slightly off topic. It's just, um, yeah, I've been, been meaning to ask other people in the space what they think about that. And I noticed that he was playing, you know, a much bigger role towards the back end of the year than he was. Um, he was at the beginning. So it's just, yeah, it's just something that interests me, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It doesn't really affect my, my outlook or view on, uh, on Wilson. So I was kind of hoping you would end up somewhere else, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, it's interesting actually that we brought up Nicobe Dean earlier because my flag planet linebacker was Nicobe Dean before Nicobe Dean, who is Kaiser White, the new starting linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach for the Cardinals, was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles last season. When he was hired as the head coach for the Cardinals, he was brought over, meaning Kaiser White was brought over. 
And uh, dude, it looks like Kaiser White's going to be the guy starting at middle linebacker. He's got the green dot. He's going to play a bunch of snaps. And honestly, that's the crux of my argument. If we look at what he did last year, he played about 86.1% of the Eagles defensive snaps and earned an 11.5% tackle efficiency. The year before that in Los Angeles with the Chargers, he played about 84.1% of the defensive snaps and title tackle efficiency of uh, 14.7. Let's just say, just theoretically, let's say we're projecting what his 2023 looks like and we want to have a super, super conservative baseline projection. Let's just say he gets 90% of the snaps. I think he's going to get more than that, but let's just say he gets 90% of the snaps and let's just average out his tackle efficiency. Let's just say he doesn't get any better and we just give him like 13% tackle efficiency. And if the Cardinals, even as a bad offense, their defense still only gets about 1,100 snaps, that's 130 tackles easily. That would put him in the top 16 overall for linebackers and tackles if we were just looking at 2022 numbers. And again, that's a conservative floor projection. Now, that's not even mentioning the fact that Kaiser White is being drafted as the linebacker 47. What the heck? I don't know why he's going so late. Maybe people are just not caught up to the fact that this guy is going to be legit and he's going to get a ton of volume. But it seems really, really easy to just grab Kaiser White as your linebacker four, linebacker five, and just ride him out through the entirety of the season. I, I don't know if you guys disagree with me here, but what do you think? Do you remember in 2021 when Steve Kime came out just after drafting Zayvon Collins and told us that he now had his two tall trees for the middle of his defense? And now one of them's playing on the edge and the other one's playing at safety. Uh, and now you've got Kaiser White there in what looks to be one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, and he's just going to eat. I, like, I, I don't see how he doesn't hit that tackle efficiency again, like you said, and those tackle numbers, because there's nobody else. Like, well, it depends on how you feel about Buda Baker. Like, I, does Baker still get traded? Like, he still wants to be traded. Does he get traded? And Isaiah Simmons is doing whatever he wants at the back end. It's just uh, that defense went from so promising and what we all wanted a piece of to, you know, at least they get Marvin Harrison Jr. next year at 102. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on that. Jace, before we get to your guy, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think yeah, you, you touched on a great point. The most significant point really was his, his ADP being super low. And that is, I think, because until maybe just a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, we weren't. none of us were really entirely sure who was going to be that guy in the middle. I wasn't convinced Collins was going to be a full-time edge guy, um, but it looks like you know I was wrong on that one. Uh, the, sh the shadow of Simmons hanging over us. Um, it looks now, in hindsight, that it was always kind of obvious that it's going to be white, but it wasn't obvious to me. I don't know what that says about me, but hey, that's, uh, that's my view. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be white. Maybe maybe Papo next year. Who knows? But yeah, it's uh, it's time everyone caught up. And uh, there's that little window, isn't there, where you can get him a, a great bargain if you're still drafting now. Um, so my linebacker, he's not a linebacker. I uh, I like to throw a spanner in the works, so I've gone with another edge guy here. Um, so I've gone with uh, Shaq Barrett. Um, you know, he's kind of the, the forgotten man, isn't he, in, in IDP uh, for two reasons. You know, he's 30. And, and secondly, he's coming off of that major injury, the torn Achilles, uh, midway through last year, ended his year. Um, I wasn't sure he'd be ready in time to start this season. And even if he did, I thought he was going to start slowly in, you know, in recovery at 30 off a major injury. But he's healthy, right? And he's... He's another guy dominating joint practices, uh, making life miserable for, for Aaron Rodgers. Um, people forget just how, just how good Barrett was uh, in that three-year stretch prior to, uh, to, to last year. Um, 43 sacks in three seasons between 2019 and 2021. 234 pressures over that same period. I mean, that's just that's incredible, right? Um, that's like... That's like Max Crosby having a season like last season every year for the next two years. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's time to give Barrett his, his props, his due. In fact, it's beyond time. Obviously, he's got a new DC or a pair of DCs uh, in place this year. So that's something to bear in mind. But there's just there's nobody on the roster capable of eating into what should be, I think, a sizable role for Barrett once again. 
Uh, I know many, including some of you guys, are higher on uh, Tryon Shiinka than I am. But um, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. Who else? Who else is there on the roster? Diab is not going to be ready this year because he's yeah he's too green. A project. He's a project. Yeah. Name me another edge rusher on the Bucks roster. It's 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 barren. Um, you know what I love about Barrett is that his his market is ridiculously low. He's going as the edge thirty seven in the IDP show of best board drafts, putting him in the same range as guys like Carl Granderson, David Ajabo, Preston Smith, and Tyree Wilson. Um, Smith aside, I get that some of those other guys are sort of trendy in names, but you know, if you're putting money on this, um, you're going to go with Barrett. Well, I am anyway. So I'm taking Barrett above those guys all day long. I think he can still be an impact player in the league, and I think he's a steal at that value. Does the Achilles worry you at age 30 is the only question I would ask. It, it worries me a little, yeah. And I think that's kind of baked into his ADP. But um, just, seeing, just seeing him causing trouble in, in those joint practices makes me, makes me wonder. I mean, technology has moved on so fast. The, the ability of players to recover, uh, say technology, the ability, sports, re- sports rehabilitation, I meant to say, uh, is, is way beyond what it used to be. These guys are coming back at, you know, record, record pace. Uh, I can see him having a big year. I'm not too worried about it. Are you? Uh, the Achilles injury is still the only one that gives me pause. Like it's, it's when, when you, just because we still see so many hit and misses, like James Robinson was, you know, massively promising young athletic out of the league. Um, it's, it, it's just, it took uh, Deonta Foreman two and a half years to come back from. I think Marlon Mack had back to back Achilles injuries. If I, if I remember right, like he's just suffered another one. Um, it's just, it's the only one that ever gives me pause now. Like I see ACL, MCL and I'm like, right. Okay. I might just lay off that player for this season and, and buy in next season, you know, in the post hype. But the Achilles is one where I look at it and I'm like, especially, especially at 30 years old. That, that's the other thing. It's just at, at 30 years old is the only other thing. Yeah, fair point. Would you take any of those four guys above Barrett? Well, no, because Ajabo is coming off an Achilles injury as well. Yeah, Preston Smith's <laughs> on the downside. You know, Preston Smith's on the downside of his career. Tyree Wilson's, you know, coming off an injury himself, and he's going to be, yeah. you know, he's going to be, he's going to be sort of a little bit green this year. And Granderson, that's just, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not quite at the level where everybody else is in sort of projecting him to be. Uh, anywhere near as good as he is going to be. So yeah, I mean, I'd I'd take the risk on on the uh, on Barrett edge thirty seven. That's you know that's a that's that's a low end uh, oh, yeah. edge three on your roster, and I think that's, that's that upside. If he can get anywhere near the, the player he was before, um, let's say he loses seventy five percent. If he can get anywhere near the player he was before, he's going to be a steal still. Mm. I will say, a guy that's going in that range that I might actually consider taking over him. Shout out Marcus Davenport. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. But. <laughs> you're, a, you're a patient man, Evan. You're a patient uh, I just, man. <laughs> I, just saw, I just saw in my head, I saw the Undertaker gif of Eddie right now in his bed. Just as you talk about Marcus Davenport, he's just set up. His spidey senses are tingling. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind Davenport's opportunity. Uh, just question marks on the player. Yeah, I got to say real quick here. I I went through the exact gamut of emotions and thoughts that you guys just talked about, right? So with Barrett, I was very hesitant. Um, with the Achilles, I agree with you guys that that's, that can be a death knell for players. Um, but there's not, nothing shows me more than getting back out on the field and proving it. And I mean, and that's just what he's done so far. And so that's, you know what, for a guy who's proven he can be at, at one of the elitist, the, the elite of the elite levels that doing this, um, and he's showing that he he is apparently healthy. Again, at, at that price point, I'll take the swing. And I've been scooping him up a ton in the back half of these best balls. I I had almost no shares of him uh, in the first half of the off season, but now I'm I'm scooping him up everywhere I can. So hmm. he said, I remember him saying he he didn't feel any pain like two days after surgery. I mean, I I don't know I don't know whether I believe him or not. That's crazy. Um, but that doesn't yeah. seem okay. That doesn't seem healthy. No. <laughs> have you guys have you guys ever been around when an uh, when an Achilles is gone? I've yeah. sprained I've sprained my Achilles, but I've never torn it. So I was I, I was at, I was at a, a rugby game back home in New Zealand. This would have been nineties or two thousands when um, a rugby player called Justin Marshall um, snapped his Achilles, and we heard it around the stadium like a gunshot. 
and it was just yeah. one of the one of the the freakiest injuries that I've I've ever heard. Like it was, it just fully went, and it sounded like a gunshot. Um, and it's yeah. Ever since, I think ever since then I've been gun shy of Achilles injuries. I suppose. <laughs> Somebody quick, no, get us crazy. back to the flag plant. Somebody get us back to the flag plant, quick. Yeah, we're gonna pick <laughs> this episode back up as I finish throwing up. The disgusting thought of hearing someone's Achilles snap to one of the just the greatest thoughts that you can have, and that's drafting Caden Ellis. Um, if you could get someone who's who graded in you know top fifteen in three of the five main PFF categories. You know, in, in their overall defensive grade, run defense grade, and pass rush grade last season. I mean, that that's the kind of guy you'd want, right? And then he went ahead and got, you know, a three-year, $20 million contract for off-ball linebacker where it's pretty depressed value. That's another thing where you think, yeah, this guy's pretty good. Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm talking about Caden Ellis right here. This is what he did last year. Um, yes, did he have a limited opportunity? But once he got that opportunity, he he showed out with it, right? So... When Pete Werner suffered his ankle injury in week nine, Ellis got his shot and he delivered seven sacks, 18 pressures, and all in 503 snap. Um, you know, he's got that strong alignment, especially when we look at the big three scoring specifically um, or anything that, you know, gives, you know, good weighted value for big plays like sacks. But, you know, 252 snaps at D line, 103 pass rush opportunities while generating a pass rush pressure on almost 20% of his opportunities. One out of every five times he went after the quarterback, he was generating pressures. Now you look that he goes to a team in Atlanta where he's following his defensive coordinator and Ryan Nielsen, who helped coordinate uh, a top five pass rush over the last six years he was there with the Saints, now brings that to a pass rush depleted Atlanta Falcons. I think you know they brought in Ellis for a reason and a purpose. He showed what he can do last year when given that opportunity. He's working with someone who knows exactly how to utilize his talents. I think this is something where we're going to see Ellis just just destroy in terms of what he can do in the pass rush game. And if he continues to convert like he has just at an at average pace, um, he's going to be just an outstanding value for linebacker. Yes, he might not have the strongest floor with a, a tackle efficiency closer to 10 when we like to see that float a little closer to 12 and 13. but I, I just I can't see this guy not delivering a, a ten plus sack season for us on, on that defense. I totally agree with you, Jake. I think like the big thing with him following the defensive coordinator, there's somebody there who wants him. Like you said, the skill set he knows what he's getting in that player. I think he was wearing the green dot the other uh, this weekend in the preseason game. So like clearly he's he's not going to be coming off the field. You know he's got that. Um, that trust in his coach and stuff like that. He also, um, you're kind of getting him at linebacker 36 right now. So you're, you don't even have to invest a lot in him. You're getting him, you know, back towards the back end, like around 90th player taken off the board. So there's not a heavy investment in him. And I just think that he's uh, got a lot of opportunity, you know, and who else is there? I mean, Troy Anderson, Troy Anderson's there, but, I mean, like behind him, is there anybody? It's not just Troy Anderson as well. It's it's um, if they choose to run Ellis off the edge, like the the edges that Atlanta have don't fit Ryan Nielsen's scheme. Like Ibakiti is not the body type that he used in in, in New Orleans. Um, who's the other guy they've got? Loren, is it Lorenzo Alexander on the other side that they've just re-signed? Again, does not does not fit the prototype for what Ryan Nelson uses for his scheme. So if if they oh, do sorry. go to if they go ah uh, yeah sorry Lorenzo Carter Lorenzo Alexander that's years back isn't it yeah oh, that's, yeah <laughs> you just you just gave you just gave your age away there mate <laughs> <laughs> oof oof as if the camera wasn't already doing that um it, it it's yeah with Lorenzo Carter on the other side um even if they leave Anderson on in sort of a, a one linebacker set I can still see them bringing Ellis off the edge as a blitzer as well because he proved so effective at it last season. Hey, don't forget Steelers legend Bud Dupree. Oh, God. Journeyman. Journeyman Bud Dupree. <laughs> now, so really, you know, I don't mind the interior, that uh, that Falcons D-line with uh, Jarrett and Onyemata. But, yeah, uh, Ellis is weird. He, fit, he kind of fits two roles that they're, they're in dire need of, I think. Um, and like mm. you say, Holland is uh, his former DC over. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to like. Uh, like you say, his tackle efficiency isn't going to be crazy crazy high but I, I love him for best ball um you know if i can uh, if i can if 
I can throw him on a roster and just just wait for those big weeks to happen and without relying on the low floor he, uh, that he'd give you if he had a really good uh, if we had a really good tackle efficiency. Then I'm yeah, I'm all for that. Where are you comfortable <laughs> taking him in like a, a regular draft, like for like not necessarily even like a dynasty, but like a, a redraft IDP league? Where are you comfortable with him as your linebacker? Two, mm, no. three. I'd say a high end three. Best ball. Yeah. I'd say, I think, I'd I think say in a managed league, yeah, managed league, you got to love him at three, in my opinion, right? Yeah. I mean, again, if, if you have that upside scoring for big plays, because that's exactly what you're injecting into your lineup is volatility, right? So, sure, maybe you go for maybe those safer floor guys with your one, get mom's one meatloaf. two. Yeah, get mom's meatloaf <laughs> in there at LV2. Um, I just wish I had him on sleeper right now so I could change his nickname on there to mom's meatloaf immediately. <laughs> um, but um, that, I mean, that, I think that's where he's safe. I mean, I. I picked him up in a lot of managed leagues this year because I like having Caden Ellis um, as my LB3, especially because, yeah, we talk about, you know, maybe he doesn't have the strongest tackle efficiency from last season, but we did, all, like Jeff mentioned already, he's going to wear the green dot, it seems. You know, and if you talk about a defense on average playing somewhere between 1,050 and 1,100 snaps, even at that 10%, if he doesn't regress to the mean, which an average is more close to 11 or 12%, you're still talking 100 plus tackles as his floor for the season and for me i love that and then you inject that that upside of the of the big plays with the sacks you know assuming that they need him there which i believe they do and that's how ryan nielsen wants to utilize him um unfortunately we didn't see that in preseason because preseason is pretty vanilla but for me i i think he's got a strong enough floor for sure for lb3 and you know the big play upside makes him makes him just a great uh, weak winner for you too potentially so um yeah bye kate nellis and I think too, Jake, when you in redraft leagues or managed leagues, you paid nothing for Ellis. You got him off the waivers last year for like in week eleven or twelve for absolutely nothing. You know, so I think that it's all all profit for your teams there. Speaking of another guy who was like no on anyone's radar last year at this time, my defensive back flag plant is Ryan Neal, and now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's kind of surprising that he graded out as safety two overall last year according to PFF. Like. I would have guessed a thousand guys before I would have guessed Ryan Neal. Um, he didn't see a ton of tackles. He only put, really played uh, 10 games after Jamal Adams got hurt, but he did have 64 tackles in there. And his metrics were, were pretty solid overall. He was, uh, again, he graded out really well, 85.7 as overall. His run defense was nearly 80%. He was tackling in the 70s. His coverage was 85.7. So he's got this like really high floor, I think, now in this new Tampa Tampa defense. He's injuring his third year. Uh, you know, they always talk about the game slowing down and stuff like that. I think he's just really set to take off in that in that defense. And you know, we we're kind of mentioning earlier about who's on that Tampa defense. You know, we're question marks, question marks all along. Like somebody's got to make tackles. And if it gets to that third level in on the defense, well, Ryan Neal's gonna be the guy there to take get those tackles. I know that uh, Winfield is there as well, but uh I think he's just entering a very safe environment to get a lot of snaps. They lost uh, Keanu Neal last year, who had nearly 600 snaps. They lost Mike Edwards, who had over 800, 800 snaps. So I think, again, it's kind of that vacated tackle or vacated snaps that we talked about earlier with N'Kobe Dean. He's got a clear path. I think Ryan Neal has the same, same kind of floor. Yeah, and it's not just snap volume. It's, it's where he's going to play his snaps. You know, Antoine Winfield's going to be playing deep safety which should leave Ryan Neal to play closer to the line of scrimmage, which we know leads to a higher tackle efficiency. So not only will he be playing a lot of snaps, he'll be getting tackles on a greater percentage of those snaps. And man, I love Ryan Neal, just waiver wire darling from this past season. You know, as somebody who fades DB as much as humanly possible, it's so nice seeing these guys that you can just pick up off waivers and immediately start them. And good for him for earning a starting gig based on that really good performance. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Aaron, who you have here at DB, because I'm guessing we're all kind of, kind of moving towards the same idea as far as DBs with really, really favorable usage. Yeah. So, so the DB that I went for, um, uh, so Jeff mentioned that, that Ryan Neal was the overall graded, uh, PFF graded one, the, uh, safety last year. I went for the overall graded PFF graded, uh, number four in Kyle Hamilton. Um, and it kind of feels like a little bit of a trope at this point in time that Kyle Hamilton's going to have a great season, um, because it's, it's kind of like speaking into an echo chamber. Um, the opportunity is there. Chuck Clark is gone. 
Like he 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 only played 500 snaps last season. Uh, he played 53 percent of the snaps on the, uh, on the on the entire season. He only averaged eight points per game. So everything that we're that we're sort of putting towards Kyle Hamilton is all projection. Like it's not like he he had a breakout season last year, but the points per game that he did put up and the, the numbers that he did put up, he did while Chuck Clark was playing 100% of those snaps. So he was used as a third safety or at times as, uh, down as a linebacker in the rotation. The other thing is it's the investment that Baltimore put into this man. So I was lucky enough to, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to name drop here. Someone we all know, Mr. Macri, Mr. John Macri. Um, I was talking to him during the draft and he said, uh, so I'm a, I'm a massive Baltimore Ravens fan. He said to me, he's like, who do you want the Ravens to take at 14? And I said, if Hamilton's there at 14 and we take him, my pants are coming off. They took Kyle Hamilton. I sent John Macri a video of me taking my pants off and running around the house, swinging them, swinging them around in the, uh, in the, in the sky. And, uh, and that's how I feel like it's, that's what I feel like every time I draft Kyle Hamilton in these best balls, right? Because He's going at the moment as safety eight in these best balls, right? He's going behind Jeremy Chin. He's going behind Tafunga. He's going behind Buda Baker. I would take him over all of those. All of those guys. Um, the only two safeties that have been taken with the same amount of draft capital investment that Kyle Hamilton got was Minka Fitzpatrick at 11th overall and Derwin James at 17th overall. And I mean, if you've grabbed either of those two guys in the, in the last five years uh, of IDP, You've been feeling pretty bloody happy with yourself, so uh, I'm 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 banking on the, the the Ravens front office. I'm banking on John Macri. I'm banking on my pants being off. I'm all in on Carl Hamilton. Uh, I can vouch for that story. I was there. I was the pants. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, uh, man. Okay, so we've we've gone two different directions here with DBs. We've gone with guys that are like yes, high draft capital but worth the investment and cheap guys who should, you know, return way more value than their ADP implies that they should. I've gone with the latter approach as well. And I just went dumpster diving. I don't necessarily think that that's the right term because I don't believe that my flag plant is trash necessarily, but boy, oh boy, is he deep down the ADP. Um, let me actually search him up right now. I'm searching in the wrong tab. He is going as db 97 safety 59 and my flag plant is the colts safety julian blackman now you might be asking why am i taking julian blackman i'm just kidding you're not asking that you're in the loop you're listening to the idp after show of course you know why i'm taking julian blackman it's because he's going to be the strong safety in a gus bradley defense why does that matter you ask no, you don't ask that because you're listening to the IDP After Show. Let me give you the last three safeties that have been the strong safety for a Gus Bradley defense. Last year, we had Rodney McLeod. He played 70.6% of his snaps in the sweet spot. The sweet spot is a snap that's played on the defensive line, in the box, or at slot cornerback. Those three positions on the field, when you align there pre-snap, you are statistically more likely to end your snap with a tackle. You have a higher tackle efficiency when you line up at one of those positions. But the year before that, in Las Vegas, his strong safety was Jonathan Abram, who had an 84.5 sweet spot snap percentage. And the year before that, the Los Angeles Chargers, oh, well, he had Rayshon Jenkins, who had an 85% sweet snap, sweet snap spot percentage. That's actually incredibly difficult to say. Um, I don't know why I decided that that would be a good name for it, but that's what we're rolling with, boys. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I got to tell you, I am so excited for Julian Blackman. He's, I mean, he's just, he's going to be the guy. They've already talked about this. It's not a secret. It's not like I'm projecting anything. It's just, they've up and said it. They said the quiet part out loud. They said, Julian Blackman, yeah, he's going to be our strong safety. Julian Blackman literally said, I'm excited to be the strong safety. I'm going to get a ton more, you know, tackles. I'm going to get a bunch better uh, stats. Like, He's just going to rack things up, and I'm really excited. Now, yeah, he's been a little bit injured recently in camp, but hey, that's just depressing his ADP. I'm not stopping from drafting him. I'm still going to take this guy, so I, I'm super excited. You can get him off waivers probably in most of your drafts. He's super, super, super late. You do not need to spend up to get him, but boy, oh boy, he is going to contribute this season. Jake, do you agree with me, or should I have picked someone like Cameron Curl? Uh, you should always pick someone like Cameron Curl if you're ever in doubt. You know, WWKD, what would Cam do? That's what I ask myself most days when I wake up. 
Um, but in this case, we're talking about Julian Blackman and specifically Gus Bradley. I, I might have done a, a, a little write-up on this myself, um, and, I, and I love exactly what you're talking about with the sweet spot alignment. Um, even beyond that, though, right, who, who are our tackle machines? There are linebackers, right? And they, and they have that alignment inside the box. So when you talk about a Gus Bradley defense and that strong safety, um, those exact people you talked about, right? Rodney McLeod took 51% of his snaps as a linebacker last year. Um, Jonathan Abram, who you talked about for Las Vegas, 53% of his snaps inside the box. And then Rayshon Jenkins with the Chargers, 58%. You're talking these guys are taking one out of every two snaps as a linebacker, and now you're giving them that opportunity to, to build up that tackle floor. Um, for, in, in terms of a safety alignment in your roster or safety spot in your roster. I, I don't know how you can't just be on board with that fully. I mean, the, the, the numbers are in your favor. Well, we talk, we, we, we talk about wanting skin in the game for these things. Um, I've just checked my, uh, my RSO um, uh, Hunger Games League and uh, my safeties, I've got, uh, I just picked up Ryan Neal in the, uh, in the auction, the free agent auction. Uh, I've just nominated Julian Blackman, uh, and I already had Cam Curl on the roster. So uh, I, I, I was unable to draft Kyle Hamilton in uh, in in that he went he went too high. But I, I grabbed Draylon Petrie, and I'm I'm going to see if I can maybe do a little switcheroo with uh, with those two for the uh, the Hamilton owner. So uh, yeah, gotta gotta have some skin in the game when it comes to these things. Gotta gotta have the feeling behind what you're saying, and I'm I'm feeling what you guys are saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Let's put it that way. There's been a little buzz about Nick Cross lately, hasn't there? Um, Low-level buzz. Any any thoughts on uh, on that? Does he worry you as far as Blackman's concerned, Evan? As somebody who drafted Nick Cross a lot last year, he does not worry me. As somebody who just looks at you know camp reports objectively, a little bit, but the investment that it costs to pick up Blackman makes it so that in the off chance that I'm wrong, fine, I'll just drop him and pick up Nick Cross instead. This, you know, argument still applies for either player, so I'm not too concerned. They are they talked about Nick Cross on the main show last night, and Josh was 100 percent out on him. He was like, Nope, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. The only thing that I gives me slight pause is I look at Nick Cross and his Season rookie season, and then the way that Camp has been buzzing about him reminds me massively of what we went through with Richie Grant in Atlanta. Do you remember? Do you remember how Richie Grant was just dead for that first season for his rookie season? Like you couldn't, he did, he did absolutely nothing. And then sec- last year came out, boom, he was a safety too. I think Cross is getting a little bit of buzz just because he was a healthy body. Blackman was kind of dinged up for a couple weeks, and so he yeah. missed like he missed like six or seven practices with like a, a, a ankle or a lower leg thing. And I think that's why Nick Cross got a little run and a little buzz because he was a healthy body in that spot. Because outside of Blackman and Cross, who, do they have anybody else at safety? Thomas? Rodney, Rodney Thomas? Thomas? Rodney Thomas. And he's more of a, a deep, a free safety. If I, mm. you know, so I, I think the buzz was more just a, you know, like with all IDP guys, it's got to be available, you know. And so where I think it was just more of a, him being available and healthy and Blackman was on the sidelines watching. So with, uh, with my pick here and yeah, continuing the theme of, of not conforming to the rules. I've, I've not chosen a uh, defensive back. I've actually gone completely the opposite direction. I've gone with a, a DT. I've gone with, uh, with Jalen Carter. Um, I mean, it might be interesting to see him try and play DB. Um, I was going to say, can we put him at, can we put him at safety? There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot you can do. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's an impressive player, but I think he might, might be found wanting if he tries to play DB. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's pretty bold to, to list a, a, rookie, a rookie DT um, on a redraft-focused pod. Um, but I think, I think Carter's going to make an impact in, in year one. Um, we all know he was, uh, you know, arguably one of the most gifted players in the draft. Uh, and as one of you guys mentioned earlier on, George has produced some, uh, some excellent um, Defensive line prospects in recent seasons, Jordan, Tav- Jordan Davis, Trevon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, they were all kind of covered in their respective drafts, but I think Carter's got more upside than all of them. The elite level athleticism, the first step, the, the raw power, it kind of jumps off the screen when you, uh, when you put on his tape. 
Um, but yeah, don't don't just take my word for it. PFF uh, gave Carter a pass rush grade of 90 in 2021 and 89.1 in 2022. He's more than just a pass rusher, which, uh, you know, gives me hope that he will see more snaps than a typical rookie DT might. 91.2 PFF run grade in 2022, ranking eighth amongst all players at the position. Um, you know, he might not walk into a huge role from the get-go. Fletcher Cox is uh, still in town. Uh, last year's first rounder, Jordan Davis, and former teammate Jordan Davis is, uh, you know, he should see more reps than he had last year. And Milton Williams will at least see some usage. But Cox is on the downside of his career. Um, I haven't seen anything from Davis, either in college or in his rookie season, that gives me reason to think that he's ever going to become more than just a two-down player. And I was, I was kind of low-key interested in Williams for a, for a little while after Hargrave left. Um, but I think he's going to be fourth in the pecking order there. So back to Carter, you know, his, his work ethic and maturity, uh, you know, the concerns around those have been well-documented. But I think if he can get out of his own way, the, the sky is the limit. Um, it was on that point. It was encouraging to hear Nick Sirianni praising Carter just this week for keeping his head down and working hard over the last few months. Uh, Carter's teammates have been kind of tripping over themselves uh, to praise him. Uh, Darius Slay, um, he said, I've been around a lot of great D tackles. Uh, I've been around Sue, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, but I'm trying to tell you, uh, Carter, this kid is going to be very dominant. Uh, Lane Johnson had uh, was had similarly kind words to say. Uh, Jason Kelsey had some, some some good stuff to say about him as well. You know, granted, a lot of rookies are being praised by coaches and teammates at this time of the year, so we kind of take some of this with a pinch of salt. But the signs are good, and it's, it's you know, it's positive to hear this kind of thing uh, compared to where we were, you know, not so long ago when we were hearing reports about conditioning issues and stuff like that. Uh, Carter's going as the DT14 in the IDP show best ball drafts, um, which seems kind of high at first, but this is the DT position. Um, and the guys that are going around him, the Ed Olivers, the Draymond Jones, I think that's probably not far off where I'd put, uh, where I'd put Carter for 2023. I'm going to go ahead and, and drop some insane statistics for you guys. And I'm going to do, if, you know, if there was some way to like use statistics so poorly that you should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. That is what I'm apart. about to do. No, 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 no. I'm about to roast myself. Hey, I'm about to roast myself harsh. here. Uh, because, because so far in the preseason, he has a 16.6% pass rush uh, to pressure conversion rate. Now he has six pass rush snaps and one pressure. So yeah, <laughs> take that yeah. as you will. He got but, a uh, he got so a QB far, hit so on good. his first first ever snap in the NFL. He got a QB hit. It was almost a sack, wasn't it? Did you see it against um, oh, the yeah. Ravens? That was Josh beautiful. It was, yeah. it, was so it was just egregious that the rest of the league let him fall to nine. Like if he didn't have you know such an incredible off field speed score, um, <laughs> then it, it 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 just wouldn't. He wouldn't have like they were saying that. Will Will Anderson wouldn't have been the guy going at three. It would have been Carter in the top three discussion. Will Anderson would have been the the secondary defensive player going off the board. Like it was just the fact that he was still able to fall to nine with the red flags and still still be a top ten pick with the red flags that he had is just a testament to what an absolute freak of a talent the guy is and what a game record that he could be. And I agree with what you say about Jordan Davis. Like he's just a he's a he's a two down space eater. But the fact is, if he can eat two offensive linemen, then that's going to free Carter up to work in one on ones, and he's just going to mutilate guards in one on one. And uh, and it's just it's it's just going to be scary to watch. Well, I think that whole defensive line is going to be scary. I mean, they led the league in sacks last year. They just and then added- half of them left. Right. Well, and they just re- reloaded. I mean, they yeah. Nolan Smith. They, I mean, the next man up is true, and they're all like just rotate, rotate, rotate. And I think that's going to help him. Plus, I think he's going to play with a huge chip on his shoulder. Like you said, eight teams passed on him. He's going to be, you know, all the off-field issues that he had going on and surrounding him leading up to pre-draft. He might be a guy that just uses that and just like every single play, just want to go out and just destroy, destroy meatloaf. I don't know. 
<laughs> you could you could even say nine teams passed on him because if you think about the fact the Bears traded out of the position, like they right. had him there, and then they went, "No, nah, we'll give it to the Eagles, and we'll pick." I think they picked up like a third or something to move back two spot. Like it was it was just to arguably give up the best player in the draft. They got third, and I remember watching the Bleacher Report um, stream of the of the draft where they had Micah Parsons live on it with Jason Kelsey as well. And watching Jason Kelsey just get ecstatic as Jalen Carter's name was. And Parsons was just sitting there with his head in his hands. He's like, I feel sick. Like, I feel literally sick that, that all of these other teams have let him fall to here. And then Micah Parsons had to get all, like, fake, like, wound, uh, like fake hyped when they drafted Mozzie Smith at the end of the first and be like, yeah, I wanted Mozzie in the first place. It's like, no, you didn't. Kelsey was happy because <laughs> he didn't have to play against him. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap up this uh, discussion than talking about a cornerback. Um, and for me, that's cornerback Kyler Gordon for the Chicago Bears. Um, 863 snaps as a rookie in only 14 games. Um, you know, this year has a clear path to 1,000 plus snaps. Um, the best part about it is, is he showed us that um, in that Matt Eberflus defense, where he loved and highlighted Kenny Kenny Moore, as we all remember, as an IDP darling for many, many years um, before this. Um, he took 431 of those uh, snaps from the slot, 110 from the box, and an additional 20 from the defensive line to boot, just for good measure, right? So this guy is clearly someone that they want to be moving around in that defense, um, find ways to get him involved. And, you know, with that, he had 23 pass rush, pa- pass rush opportunities last year. Um, which again, I'm going to reference Kenny Moore here again. When you look at in, in his peak of that performance, he was getting near that 30 to 50 pass rush opportunities in a Matt Eberflus defense um, each season. So as a rookie coming in, getting that kind of usage right away, I, again, I think this is a little bit of projection, but I think we see the exact path that uh, Kyler Gordon is on here. Um, he did have 68 tackles, which is a little low for one of those slot defenders we like to see that tackle efficiency, you know, a little bit closer to nine, 10% has floated closer to eight. Um, and the other thing that is a little scary, but again, projecting some growth for a year two guy who played in a defense pretty devoid of talent overall. Sorry, Jack Sanborn truthers. Um, you know, this is a guy I think that with, with some increased um, time in the NFL, some injection of talent alongside of him and other key positions, TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, um, Brisker growing up a bit here too, alongside of him year two. I I love where Kyler Gordon looks like he's going to end up here a year two. Um, I know we're talking mostly redraft, but you know even beyond that, I, I like where he's going. Um, you know for the next three to four years. So especially in cornerback required leagues, I think this guy is, is a is a smash start for CB one. Um, he's even someone I'd consider in that that you know DB three DB four range um, in those managed lineups. So I got. Tons of Kyler Gordon this offseason. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what year two turns out for him. Jake, are you like thinking like he didn't have a lot of tackles and stuff like that just because of opportunity and game script? Like, what did the Bears win last season? Three, four games? Like, there's something, they did, something like that. They weren't yeah. ahead three, a three lot. Three games, I think. Yeah, yeah they weren't ahead games. a lot. So I, you got to think like this offense is probably going to take a step forward. Fields is a, a year into the league, they signed DJ Moore. They've they've got some more pieces around. They're probably going to be winning a few more games. That that NFC North is probably the most winnable it has been for any team, sans Green Bay since you know Reagan was in office. So I think there's 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 going to be some positive game script coming for the Bears. So sorry, can we take a minute to talk about Jack Sanborn because I'm sick and tired <laughs> of people drafting him because I'm not, I like I love when people draft him in best ball. Okay. Chicago, okay. Chicago, <laughs> Chicago signed all of the linebackers and free agents. That, that's what I'm saying, dude. McCall Walker just signed there after he left Atlanta. Like there are legitimately like four dudes ahead of him on the depth chart right now. Like, what is he going to make the roster? I I don't even know. And they drafted. Do we even Sewell know? Too. Is he healthy? No idea. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot they had um. Uh, Noah yeah, Sewell. The, the, well, the, the the other the other spaghetti brother. There's three of them. Apparently, there's three of them. Oh, what? Yeah, there's another one that's in uh, New Orleans. I just found this out um, thanks to somebody auto-drafting him in a best ball league. Oh, is it Nephi Sewell? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Or Nephi, oh. or however you say it. Or, or, yeah, I'm, I'm probably butchered that, yeah. So we got Panay, Tortellini, and then Rigatoni. 
which is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, anyways, back to players we actually like. Um, yeah, so if, you, if you're in a league with me, uh, keep drafting Jack Sanborn. Otherwise, yeah, Evan's Evan's on point. Don't <laughs> don't take it. Um, just a quick point on uh, on Kyler Gordon. Yeah, he did miss uh, a couple of games last year, um, which might factor into that tackle uh, efficiency, not tackle efficiency, but tackle volume uh, issue mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, that's only fair to mention. But yeah, he's another guy whose DC Alan Williams is, has been talking him up, um, which is a common theme running through a lot of the guys that we're talking about here tonight, right? I think there's going to be a lot of changes on that defense as well. Like you, you mentioned Brisker very briefly there, Jake. Brisker led Chicago in sacks last year, like the entire defense from the safety position. Um, and then they went out and they got Unique Ngokwe. Uh, they got um, uh, Demarcus Walker. They've, like, you know, like we mentioned, signed every single linebacker they could. Um, it, will, it will be an improved defense, which I think will Eddie allow. Will be healthy. Yeah. But I think that will allow, like, if I remember the Eberflus Kenny Moore, he used to get moved around a lot. And he was in, he got, he got blitzing opportunities. He got everything. Like, he was sort of like in that star role that, that uh, McVeigh has in his defense. And if they do that with Gordon, that's going to be amazing. If he goes, look, you're my Swiss Army knife. I'm going to put you wherever I want. And they, they bring him off the edge and they, they, they send him from corner blitzes and, and, you know, he's lined up against tight ends or, or he's lined up against the running back coming out of the backfield on, the, uh, on swing routes and things like that. Like he's just going to get so many opportunities. So I think, uh, I think it will be very, very exciting to see. Yeah, so something I think to add to that, I think that just kind of solidifies what you're talking about, right? So you talked about Brisker leading the team in sacks last year. He led the NFL in all uh, – defensive line snaps uh, among all defensive backs, right? He was over 150 snaps there. And it's, I think that just goes to point out exactly what you're talking about. They knew the talent that they had in Brisker there, and they and then they made sure that their defense worked to support that talent or maximize that talent. So, um, that, And so now I think that's exactly what they're looking to do here with Gordon. Again, like I said, this is projection on my part, um, but I, I, I like what we see in terms of uh, of getting him there. So. Well, gentlemen, we made it. We talked about 15 dudes plus a couple extra bums and non-bums. <laughs> Sorry. And meatloaf. This is a, and, meatloaf. And, and meatloaf. <laughs> this is entirely too much Jack Sanborn slander for one episode, but that's all right. Let's really quickly, before we close out this episode, share our final thoughts. Like, you know, just, just list out the dudes that we talked about one last time so listeners that stayed all the way to the end can have a nice neat list of all the dudes we talked about i'll go first we can just kind of zigzag through our faces for you youtube people uh, i talked about aziz ojalari kaiser white and julian blackman uh Arne, who'd you who'd you talk about uh, i talked about uh Kayvon thibodeau mom's meatloaf logan wilson and kyle hamilton for me uh defensive lineman jeffrey simmons beefy boy uh linebacker Cade nellis the man who scared michael walker out of atlanta um and Cornerback specialist Kyler Gordon. Uh, yeah, I went with uh, with Jalen Phillips, my number one. If I had to uh, to order these guys, I then went with uh, with old man Shaq Barrett, and then I went with the young man uh, Jalen Carter. Defensive back Jalen Carter. Yes. Yeah, Swiss Army knife. You, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> and I also had Thibodeau as one of mine. I had Nicobe Dean, and then I finished with Ryan Neal. Beautiful. Gentlemen, this episode has been a blast. This is our pride and joy. I'm excited to to come back at the end of the season and flex on just how many players we absolutely nailed. Um, but before we close out this episode, I think we would be remiss if we didn't give the listeners an opportunity to follow us on X, X, the new Twitter. Um, so that in the event that uh, all of my players get injured week one, they can roast me in my comments so you guys can follow me on twitter at idp evan and we'll just zigzag through in the same order that we just did uh yeah i'm i'm on x uh, at idp oz uh at jake colhagen on the x and you can find me at jace abby and if you want to you can follow me at boobam131 awesome all i can think of is like wolverine just like claws See, out going no. I've got I've got DMX running through my head right now. Like X, go give it to you. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then all the profanity. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the same app. 
Dude, literally, I sent I sent a link to a tweet somebody the other day, and like the little like mini preview box that showed up the bottom still said Twitter.com. And I Twitter.com. Was like, I, I don't. What's like? What are you? What are you <laughs> doing? On, I don't know. Come on, Elon. What are you doing, man? Oh well. At least we talked about some exciting football players, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the IDP After Show. Catch us in season. We're gonna have so many exciting things for you guys. I literally can't even comprehend the amount of insane content that we're putting out for the listeners every single week, multiple things every single week. So make sure you guys are sticking around for that. As soon as the season starts, baby, we just get rolling. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. Peace out. This was the IDP After Show.